Chapter 5, That Which Fell. It's a real beauty, all right, in an odd egg-shaped kind of way. Reb and Mary had at last reached the impact site of the mysterious object that had leveled half of the Trans-Sky Bridge one week past. It would seem that Reb had indeed been right. It had both survived intact and made its way to the surface. Strangely, the site seemed undisturbed. There wasn't a single piece of evidence to suggest anyone from the surface had been in contact with the object. So what is it? You said it was a ship, but it doesn't look like any ship I ever saw. And exactly how many ships have you seen? I mean, you've been with us for like, what, six months? Tops. I bet you can't even identify five classes of skyship. I refuse to dignify that with a response. Even if I make it an order? Mary froze. She knew Reb too well to ever continue arguing if the word order ever emerged from his mouth. While he was certainly an easygoing captain, when he gave an order, you followed it to the letter. Nimbus Minnow, Cumulus Barrow, Orca Blanchwing, Dynasty Cruiser, Alto, Naval, Dredger, Captain Sir. Alrighty, that's more like it. Nice job, cabin girl. Hmm. Mary clenched her fists by her side, seeing how much Reb was enjoying himself by making her squirm like this. Returning to the object, Reb hopped on top of the pristine white hull and began searching for any signs of an entrance or opening. Nope. Nothing topside that I can see. Hey. Here. There's a marking. Reb slid down the side, landing right next to her, eyeing up the section she had pointed out. True enough, there was an odd-shaped symbol. Kinda like... half a moon. And half a sun. Curious, Mary reached out, tapping the image. It immediately lit up the emitting light traveling upwards, forming a series of vertical lines before parting and vanishing into the metal. They stood back and watched as the surface dissolved into thin air, a golden mist filling the air around them. The heck is that stuff? Smells kind of like honey. You want to go first? Mary didn't say a word. Her eyes trained on the doorway that had appeared before them. She took one step planting her foot cautiously on the smooth walkway within. Grabbing either side of the frame, she pulled her whole body inside, the golden vapors swirling as she passed through. <sighs> it's like a Nimbus sauna in here. Confused by her words, Reb put his hand across the threshold, wiggling his fingers as he felt the warm, humid air within. That's weird. The heat doesn't seem to be leaking out. At all. How is that possible? That vapor is leaking out all over the place. Huh. Go figure. The heat stops right at the edge of the opening. Like air in a bubble. Reb hopped inside, feeling the full effect of the warmth. The two continued forward, Mary taking point as they moved through the brightly lit corridor. As their eyes adjusted to the unusually bright glow, they made out a second doorway mere meters in front. It bore the same marking as the first. Alrighty. My turn. Reb brushed past Mary, tapping the symbol. It reacted precisely as the first had, vanishing from sight in a whirl of gold vapor. On the other side lay a darkened room. Even the intense light from the corridor could not pass this second threshold, much in the same way the heated air had refused to leave the structure. Huh. Looks like deep sky. No light at all. The room lit up instantly, as if reacting to her words. They both stepped backwards on instinct. Within, 
the now perfectly illuminated space revealed something akin to a skyship's living quarters, albeit a very basic and very bare depiction. Wait, let's try this again. Light. The lights went out. And... Light! The lights came back on, much to Reb's amusement. Uh-huh. Light, 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 light! Uh, okay, okay, that's enough. We get it. It responds when you say light. The lights went out. Ugh! Light! The room now once again lit, hopefully without any further interruption, their attention was caught by the presence of a single chair and accompanying screen. The chair seemed to be constructed of the same metal as the structure's outer hull, as did the screen's edging. In fact, it wouldn't have been a stretch to assume that the entire room was of the same composition. Hey, check this out. You'd think it was solid, but it's soft, like a cushion. Reb had begun poking and prodding the chair. While its flat seating section looked to be solid, once met with external pressure, it became soft and squishable. What's that screen all about? You'd think there'd be a button or a lever or something. Hey, how about screen turn on? Reb's overdramatic command went unanswered, the screen remaining lifeless. <laughs> so much for that. Wait, I'm not done yet. I got a few more. <clears throat> Optical viewing device, activate! No? Okay. Digital display, come forth! Unsurprisingly, there was no response. Mary decided to try her own method, kicking the device with her sky-steel-capped heels. While the screen shook from the abrupt impact, it did not spring to life. Guess it's dead from the crash? I don't know about that. Not a scratch on the outside or inside, even after smacking straight into the Transky Bridge support tower and landing all the way down here. I'm betting whoever was in here didn't feel a thing. Provided there was a pilot, where are they? Well, that is most definitely the big question. Back in the green Zephyr skies, the Crossing Dream sat motionless, the exceptionally long salvage cable dangling from its bow. Dr. Madforge had returned to his Zeppelin, leaving Nickel to oversee the operation alongside Magnus and Stork. They've been down there a long time. Master of the obvious, aren't you, big guy? Stork sighed. Her constant need to insult him at every turn had started to chip away at even his exceptional patience. Magnus, having caught a passing sky sardine, was otherwise occupied feeding Leroy. What's with the shoulder cat? Does it think it's a parrot? I've never discounted the possibility. Hope the boss hurries things up down there. I don't like the way this cable's looking. For the third time! There's nothing wrong with the cable. There's no telling how long it'll take them to reach the point of impact, let alone make it back to the pod. They'll be done when they're done. Suddenly, the Mad Zeppelin speaker system came alive. Bad, Bad news incoming, coming, boys and girls. We're, We're about, about to get, get a visit from, from the old CCC. The council cleanup crew? I wonder what could have attracted the attention of the C3s all the way out here. Any ideas, Ms. Nickel? Don't you dare go calling me Ms. or Miss or Mrs. Not far off the port bow, a large, narrow sky barge emerged from the emerald zephyr clouds. It was adorned with the swirling emblems of the holy Silva City, 
a mighty jagged spear affixed to its forward hull. That's a first-class cruiser barge. What were you guys up to for them to send that thing? Members of the Fin Factory pirates do not discuss salvage operations with anyone, even our business partners. Suit yourself. It's not me you gotta worry about. The barge pulled up directly between the Crossing Dream and Mad Zeppelin, several white-coated soldiers emerging from within. A grapple line was fired, jamming into the Dream's battered and bruised decking. Oh my. Our poor ship. Our captain most certainly will not be pleased. Strangely, despite their large number, only one man slid across the grapple line, landing not but a few feet from the crane. He removed his insulated helmet, revealing a young man in his late twenties, a flow of lengthy powder blue hair hanging well past his shoulders. Kais Siddles, Council Cleanup Crew, First Class. I lead the Pineapple Division. Pineapple, you say? Sounds delicious. Might you be carrying any? Surface treats like that are a rare find indeed. Ah, a well-educated man. I was indeed a surface dweller, though I am proud to have found my true calling among these delightful clouds. Alas, I am afraid we are not carrying any actual pineapple. It is merely our division title. Shame. What are you doing here? As you can plainly see, we're not engaged in any illegal activity here. You do indeed speak the truth. Currently, you are not involved in any such illegal activity. Currently. Nichols' eyes narrowed, tapping her fingers across her axe. Correct me if I am an error, but is that not the infamous Mad Zeppelin, flagship to Dr. Gustus Madforge floating overhead? And if it is? I think you can imagine the rest yourself. Kais cast a glass capsule to the deck below. It cracked, a billowing cloud of mustard-colored smoke engulfing the group. Stork rolled to one side, casting his fishing wire to the mast and pulling himself clear. Magnus had vanished in the ensuing confusion. I do apologize for interrupting whatever unillegal activity you are performing, though I'm afraid that does not forgive your existing offenses. Nickel tore through the smoke, axe in hand, swinging it at Kais. You should be thanking us. You'd have a load more to clean up if it wasn't for us, mate. Her axe connected. But not as intended. Kais had somehow caught the axe with his boot soles, standing directly atop the blade, at an impossible 90-degree angle. Nickel couldn't believe the bizarre scene before her. He was standing, relaxed, and unstrained on the very tip of her axe blade, perfectly horizontal. Alarming for you, I am sure. What the heck kind of cloud particles can do that? She swung her weapon, attempting to shake him off, but she couldn't. Regardless of the direction or strength of her swing, he remained as stable as he would have been on the flat ground. Pardon me. He hopped from the axe right onto her back. Nickel froze. She could feel his feet directly at her shoulder blades, as if his own personal gravity had been swung to the side. You are understandably confused. I should inform you. This has nothing to do with cloud particles. Hailing from the surface, I have no such talent for controlling them. On the other hand, he stopped, leaping from her back and stepping directly onto her face. There was no pain, no sense of impact. She remained upright and felt not one ounce of pressure. 
Yet there he was, standing on her face. You would be surprised how effective a sense of localized gravity can be. Nicole lashed out, this time aiming for his neck, hoping to catch him before he could move again. This next part is going to hurt. Her axe never made it. Kaisa's foot slammed into her face, sending her backwards into the nearby crane mechanism. Nicole dropped to her knees, axe still gripped firmly between her fingers. She was still conscious, but her vision had become dangerously blurred as blood began to drip from her brow. Kais returned to a normal position on the decking below. I hope we need continue this no further. Did C3... Uh, finally get their act together and hire someone capable? Far too kind of you, considering I just stepped on your face. Again, I hope you won't continue to resist arrest. I would hate to permanently damage your charming face. Nickel spat out a broken tooth coated in fresh blood. She embraced the intense pain, fueling her raw rage. Come find out! Kai stepped towards her, clearing his throat and reaching for a set of cuffs attached to his belt. Before he could remove them, his wrist was caught by a length of fishing wire. Hmm? It appears I have been mistaken for a skyfish. Stork pulled his wire taut, jumping from the dream's mast and hoisting Kais upwards by his arm in the same motion. Stork landed beside Nickel, tying off the wire to one of the ship's rigging posts. Kais dangled from the mast, his hand somehow still attached. This is indeed painful, but I shall grit my teeth and bear it like a true man. What made you think I needed the help? Looked to me like he was walking all over you. Nickel smirked. What did you say your name was again? I didn't. You never asked. I'm asking now. Stork grinned, casting out numerous fishing wires from within his coat and unhitching a jagged wooden harpoon from his back. Stork Boatwright. Ship's tailor, but my hobby's fishing. Well, Stork Boatwright, let's land you a fish. Nickel wiped the blood from her brow taking her stance beside Stork, the remains of her axe in hand. By then, Kais had freed himself from the wire snare, sliding down the mast and wringing out his wrist. Oh, that was not pleasant. So we have two to one now. There's a fitting display for sky pirates such as yourselves. I make it three to one. A whirl of leaves erupted from below deck, shooting through the numerous cracks. They settled in a slow swirl behind Stork and Nickel, vanishing from sight as Magnus took their place, umbrella cane in hand. Oh, Magnus Cassiopeia! I'm afraid I am starting to lose my confidence. Should've thunk that through before you came aboard. Enough chatting. Send him over the side! End Chapter 5 You have been listening to the vocal talent song Luvian Chen, Christine Choi, Elliot Glasser, Paul Hughes, Ali Smith, Liz Mori, and Michael Page. Promotional photography by Daniel Wright and Eleanor Jameson Chang. If you enjoyed our work and would like to support our creations here at Page Productions, then please turn your attention to the video description to see how you can help us in continuing to offer wholesome and exciting fantasy content. Without you, we would not be here. Thank you for your time. And hashtag, never give up. Look forward to our next episode.